I grew up in red desert country on a sheep station far from the coast, where the men were often out for days mustering or checking windmills. My mother was every bit as capable as them, both on and off horses, but she also had care of the children, and water was a constant anxiety for her. There was always too little, and then suddenly a flood. Either way, swimming was impossible. Occasionally we'd dance under a sprinkler, but water was mostly to be rationed or feared. Five decades after leaving the bush, I live within walking distance of a swimming beach in Sydney Harbour. A shark net encircles it for about eight months of the year. And last summer, I decided it was time to learn to swim properly. Over the years, I've perfected a head above water breaststroke that let me enjoy the shallows, but now I want depth in all areas of life. Swimming literally embodies my quest to go deeper. The watery world is as alien to me as outer space, and just as fearful. A netherworld of gelatinous dragon creatures with cavernous mouths. Jagged jawed sharks, of course. All the stuff of nightmares. My nightmares, anyway. My problem, though, was that I couldn't swim slowly. Fear made me speed up, so my heart would race and I'd gulp too much air. I was like a puffer fish, every third stroke a gasp. My system read this as fear and so my heart would beat even faster. If I swam above a school of silvery minnows, more panic. The net wasn't keeping out everything. What about stingrays, octopus? A friend suggested I think of fish in the way that I think about birds. I don't react when a flock of seagulls flies overhead. I liked that. I breathed more evenly, stroked more slowly. But still, whenever I headed out toward that net, I panicked. It was the edge of reason, the place where safety dissolved and terror loomed, and I didn't want to look at it or through it. One day, a ranger told me a colony of seahorses had made their home on the net by hooking onto it with their tails. I longed to see them, but they were out at the deepest point and fear always drove me back. Each May, the net is brought in for maintenance. The ranger said that if I came down on that day, I could see the seahorses, possibly even touch them. It was a sparkly morning with a light breeze. As they hauled sections of the net into a dinghy, a gap opened where monsters could enter. I decided to swim the width of the beach to test myself. It was scary, but I told myself the rangers were protection and I made it, just in time to see the first section of the net being dragged ashore and laid on the sand. Wriggle if you want to live, the ranger said to the net. We all crouched, squinting into the seaweed-encrusted web. And then, a wriggle. I peeled a tiny, squirming creature from the rubbery tangle, uncurled his tail and lay him in my hand, his exoskeleton surprisingly hard. His head butted against my palm, the movement familiar to me from watching my mother's stallion butting at the air, straining for freedom. Unlike him, though, this horse of the sea was pregnant. He, because male seahorses carry the babies, had a protruding stomach. Reverently, I carried him to a large white bucket filled with seawater and grasses and lowered him in, mesmerised. 
He bobbed about, nuzzling and testing his new environs before locating a satisfactory frond and attaching himself. He then went very still, perfectly camouflaged, wafting with the movement of the seagrass. There were others who wriggled for their lives. I rescued some and swam more laps as the beach opened to the harbour beyond, but I never braved the depths. So this summer, when the net is back in situ, my goal will be to swim out to the seahorses. I'd like to thank that plucky little patriarch for showing me how a new environment can be met with calm, and that just as on dry land, there is more beauty and tenderness than there are monsters. Thank you.